Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Daniel Exelman with Adam McAlvey, who covers the Brewers for MLB.com. And I miss saying Happy New Year to you, my friend, because I was gone last week uh, for work in Dallas. So Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all the people who spend their time listening to us babble on about the Brewers and baseball and other random things. Uh, well, Happy New Year to you too, Danny. And and it's uh, the clock's ticking now to spring training. You realize <laughs> that, right? Uh, the countdown is on. You you have a complete countdown, though. What is it at? Well, my, I was uh, thinking about this, and I, today, five weeks from today, I will be at Maryvale Baseball Park for a tour of the renovation that they did over the winter. Uh, remember, they broke ground at the end of last spring, and in the span of what are we talking about, 10 months, they will have totally torn down basically everything except the main stadium itself, like the playing field and the seats. Everything around that, the concessions are were all torn down. They built, you know, giant holes outside, and they rebuilt a, an entirely new spring training facility that's going to be open for business really like within a week from now they were hoping to get this thing done by the middle of january so that players in the area or guys who want to come down early can get in there and start getting work done so it's going to be sort of a i'm expecting it to be a little bit of a work in progress as this spring goes on but like construction is largely going to be done very soon so it's kind of an incredibly fast project that they put together when you start looking at the drawings and the scope of what they did and Look, that's five weeks from today if I'm counting my weeks right. And then five weeks from Wednesday, we're talking on Tuesday. So five weeks from Wednesday is pitches and catches report. So, like, this thing is coming fast now. Yeah, full steam ahead 2019. We should tell everyone that we're recording this podcast on January 8th, Tuesday, January 8th. So now you can do the math yourself. But five weeks, is you're going to blink and, and you're going to be in warm, warm weather. I, I will be very jealous of you. Um, but that's going to be pretty cool to, to see that complex and, and kind of see all the work that's gone into that. Um, it should be a real treat for, for everybody really involved with that, right? Yeah, I mean, and it's you know, part of it is, like, related to baseball. It's not just so they have, like, a nice place to hang out and, and a nice stadium for the fans to visit. Yeah. Um, they, they feel like – I think teams feel like there are competitive advantages to having state-of-the-art facilities. Um, the one thing I'm most interested in, so the way Maryvale is now, there, or the way it was, was there was, like, in right field, there was this little two-story building that housed the big league clubhouse, um, a kind of laughably small training room by comparison to what other teams have at this stage, and then upstairs some offices that were totally cramped because front offices had exploded. And then there was this big parking lot, and then way on the other side there was this other building that housed a minor league uh, clubhouse, a weight room that they would keep open year-round for rehabbing players and whatnot, and then very limited offices on that side. So what they've done now is combined those those buildings were um, – one was gutted, one was totally wiped out, and they built a new building along the concourse um, that is going to house a new major league and minor league separate clubhouses but then a weight room that's combined. And I think um, that's a cool idea, and other teams have done that too. You get a little bit more of kind of an organizational feel, and your minor leaguers get to work out with the big league guys. Um, and, you know, it's 
that's a good thing that they get to see the work that goes into some of the, the players uh, that have been, had found success in the major leagues and continue doing so into their, you know, 30s and, and you know, it, it, after 10 years of grind in the majors, still get the job done. And I think it's a good thing for the minor leaguers to be able to see that and interact with those players. Um, so that's the thing I'm really interested to kind of check out uh, is that combined space. That's something that's new for this organization. And, it, you know, I've been in other other complexes where they have a similar thing, like the, the Diamondbacks and Rockies share a facility in Scottsdale that they each have these gigantic, massive weight rooms. And I think they're also combined with their minor leaguers. And those teams must have found it to be beneficial because now teams like the Brewers are, you know, copying it. So it'll be uh, it'll be very cool to see the the new setup. It this has been an ongoing saga of their spring training, and you know sometimes it seems like a minutia for those of us who spend the time there, and maybe for the fans it's like they visit once, maybe once every couple of years, maybe never, and it's not that big of a deal. But I think from a baseball point of view, there they feel like there's going to be um, some positives. Adam and Calvi is very excited about this, and you make me excited <laughs> about this, too. <laughs> so if you are in the area, if you are heading to spring training, please, please go go check this out and uh, let us know Let us know what you think. We'll, we'll chat about it uh, once Adam is down there. You can give us lots more details when he sees it in person. But now, my friend, uh, we're going to get to a little bit of news, more like a rumor mill right now, because our friend J.P. Morosi at MLB Network uh, wrote about Madison Bumgarner. And he also wrote about the Brewers in the same article, saying that he could potentially go there. It could be a fit um, for him. Mm -hmm. And this is his final season before free agency. He is a franchise player. He's the face of that franchise. This is a rumor. Let's repeat that. It's just a rumor. But I need your thoughts. I need to know what would the Brewers have to give up to get a guy like him? And is he worth it? Well, my short answer on this, and, and I color me skeptical that this actually happened. Um, <laughs> my short answer would be they would have to give up a lot. And I think in order to kind of come to terms with this, you have to think about the Giants situation right now in Madison Bumgarner. It's a new GM in Farhan Zaidi who goes to San Francisco, a team that had, you know, triple championships at the front end of this decade, tremendous success. And this guy, Madison Bumgarner, was right in the middle of it and probably as much as anybody kind of embodied those championship runs. So in order to give him up, even though he has one year of control left and is, I mean, I say this with due respect, he's on the downside of his career. Mm -hmm. It it would still take a lot to get him from the Giants because in order for them to be motivated – especially a new GM, to be motivated to move a player of that importance to an organization, you're going to have to get something pretty compelling for him, I think. And then I think from the Brewers' point of view, they are a team that got to within a win of the World Series last year with a roster stacked with mostly young, almost overwhelmingly controllable players, players that they have for multiple years, Um this would be a much different trade for David Stearns, their GM, than all the other deals he's made in the off seasons that he's been in charge. I, I think back to his winter trade, and almost always he is acquiring a player with multiple years of club control. Um, and that goes back to Travis Shaw from the Red Sox. That uh, I think of Chase Anderson from the D-backs. 
Uh, I think of Christian Yelich last winter from the Marlins. Part of the motivation for those trades and giving up the prospects that they gave up was that you have control of these players for multiple years. Madison Bumgarner would be a one-year deal. So I think the cost would be high. Um, the benefit could be great for a team that, you know, got that close to the World Series last year if Madison Bumgarner can pitch effectively for his new team in a contract year. But I just am skeptical that those pieces are going to mesh up. But, look, John Paul Morosi has been on this story all winter long. He has right. media sources telling him that the teams have been in contact about this. Right. And I think it, it, what's critical to remember from the story he wrote uh, at the start of this week is he, he he's hearing that it's unlikely Madison Bumgarner is traded. If he is traded, it's most likely that he would go to the Brewers. So I think that just tells you that the teams are in contact and that jives with David Stern's M.O., which is to stay in contact with teams. Um, and when opportunity arises, then you're positioned to strike. I, I'm guessing that's kind of the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so nobody nobody uh, freak out on either side, Giants fans, Brewers fans, any fans. Uh, we're just kind of waiting on that one right now. But I, I think it's interesting, and, and right now there's not – a ton going on, kind of similar to last off season. Every the, there's so many huge names still on uh, the market, and no one no one's moving yet. Uh, the the uh, the dominoes have not fallen, so everyone's still kind of uh, free game at this point. Um, so it's nice to kind of have something to talk about, even if uh, even if it is just a rumor right now. But the next thing we're talking about, my friend, is not a rumor. Keon Broxton headed east to join the Mets, and in return, the Brewers are going to bring on Bobby Wall and two prospects. So GM David Stern seems pretty high on Wall. I read your article, Adam, uh, and it, it sounds like he's, he's into this guy, and we could expect him to compete for a bullpen job this spring. What's the upside to, to getting these three prospects? Yeah, and look, I would put Bobby Wall still in prospect territory because he's had big numbers in the minor leagues and a couple of stints with the A's and Mets in the majors that, you know, it's 14 innings, so you can't draw too many conclusions, but they haven't been great innings. So he is a, a player that David Stearns, as you said, sounded very high on, um, hard thrower. Uh, he, he, like, the profile strikes you as Corey Knabel, the Brewers' uh, okay. former closer. You know, he's, he's in the back-end bullpen mix now because it's a power fastball and a fantastic curveball. Wall will also mix in a, a slider and a changeup. But the, the fastball-curveball mix is really his M.O., and that's how Corey Knable gets it done. So um, this is a, a pitcher who, if he's not on the opening day roster, I think it's safe to say he will contribute at some point during the season. Um, he has options. He has that club control we just talked about that David Stearns covets. And he was traded for a player, Keon Broxton, who, like Domingo Santana, another outfielder the Brewers traded a couple of weeks earlier to the Mariners was out of options. And this is, you know, another example of uh, the Brewers and, and so many other clubs, the value that they place on flexibility right. uh, in terms of moving guys around the roster, up and down to the minor leagues. And the Brewers did that with to great effect throughout the year last year, um, pushing guys back and forth between AAA and the majors so that you have, you know, Craig Council always had a full complement of fresh arms, and he could make lots of early calls to the bullpen, and that bullpen was a strength of the team. The Brewers are trying to build a bullpen. Again, that's the strength of the team. And, you know, look, they've made three trades now, and two have acquired relievers. They got Alex uh, Claudio 
from the Rangers at the winter meetings, and now they pick up Bobby Wall. So different pitchers, Claudio's kind of a finesse lefty, Wall a power righty, but you add those to the mix of players that the Brewers already have because, again, there's lots of club control on this team. All these guys mostly are you – know, most of the players who played big roles in the postseason last year are coming back. You know, you're talking about Josh Hader, Jeremy Jeffers, Corey Knebel at the back end. They still have Matt Albers on the second year of a two-year deal. See if he can bounce back from a, a really terrible finish to last season. Um, a, a young guy like Taylor Williams, fastball slider guy who has a chance to take a step forward. Jacob Barnes is back, a, another hard thrower, a, a cutter guy. They've got a pretty intriguing mix of arms in that pen and look it's still possible that they add but I asked David Stearns you know sort of where he stands in building his bullpen and he sounded pretty confident about the the choices that he has in that group right now um so I I don't I, I don't know I I kind of got the sense that maybe the focus shifts now to elsewhere they, they still have to solve second base for example maybe they're still they still are looking at catchers to see if there's an upgrade to be had there um, but but I think with, with the additions of Claudio and Wall that David Stearns feels pretty confident that he's built a group that can have success again like they did last year. It's such a big part of that team. Let's talk about that second base position. If you go to MLB.com right now when you're listening, it won't matter. You can find an article that was written that answers one question for each club before spring training. It has a ton of different uh, scenarios and, and outcomes and just questions that, that all 30 clubs could possibly try to answer or will answer or won't answer uh, before spring training. And it seems like, Adam, everyone on Twitter, everyone in your reporter's inbox wanted to know the same thing about second base. Who's going to play that position? And the Brewers finalized that deal with Padres second baseman Corey Spangenberg for a one-year contract. So is he the guy? Is Are they going to platoon? What's, or is he the guy? I guess that's my question. Is he the guy? Well, look, I'm guessing no, he's not the guy. If he is the guy, it would be a platoon with Fernand Perez. Perez is a right-handed hitter. He's had success against lefties. Uh, Spangenberg is a left-handed hitter who has, not surprisingly, hit righties better. So you've got a, a potential solution um, with those two guys sharing the position. But – you know, when we spoke to David Stearns and kind of got his report on Corey Spangenberg, he talked a lot about the positional versatility that he brings. Um, and it, it just sounded like we were having a conversation about a guy who, like Fernand Perez, is going to bounce around, play all over the diamond. Uh, the Brewers think that there is an uh, opportunity to play him in the outfield. Spangenberg has done that in a little. Uh, he's, done, he's played the outfield a little bit in his career, but not a lot. Um, and I think the Brewers feel like they can expand those capabilities a little bit beginning in spring training. Um, and By the way, Adam, if you look at the depth chart on the Brewers' site, Arnon Perez is listed uh, second in line at third base, second in line at shortstop, yeah. and second in line second base. I know. My, our, our, my, my number one priority is to somehow find a way to convince Craig Council to let him catch because that's <laughs> the only position Arnon Perez has not played in the major leagues. And there have been opportunities to do it. Uh, there was a game, the, the last game of the season in 2017, the Brewers were eliminated on the, from wildcard contention the day before. They made it to the, the next to last day of the year. So the next day, Hernan Perez starts the final game of the year, meaningless for both the Brewers and Cardinals at shortstop. And then in the second inning, he moved to third base. 
And I thought, <laughs> oh, he's going to play all nine. Um, then he was back to shortstop the next inning. I, it was like uh. a hint. They were trying to get the manager to buy in, playing around a little bit, and the manager did not buy in. So that's uh, that's very high on my priority list with the total lack of power. That <laughs> that's I your resolution. Over. Yeah, I, I have zero power over Craig Council's decisions, but I'm going to nag him about it anyway. But, but yeah, look, I yeah. think Hernan Perez has been valuable to the Brewers in that role. And you look at the offensive numbers he's put up in three years and, you know, they don't wow you, but he's been valuable in terms of just being able to be plugged in in lots of different places. And it's allowed Craig Council to make other moves that don't show up on Hernan Perez's stat line, but have helped the Brewers win games. And the the vibe I got from talking to David Stearns is they view Spangenberg as kind of a left-handed version of that. And if you've got a righty and a lefty guys, you can play all over that. That's a pretty nice mix to have on your bench and it'll let you keep an extra pitcher, which right. the Brewers have done a lot. So so I think that's kind of where his value is most likely to be had. The one thing he did say that I'm curious to see is that they see some power in Corey Spangenberg that hasn't necessarily shown up in his, you know, the back of his baseball card. And part of that is playing in San Diego. Um, and then, you know, you think about this, the trades David Stearns has made over the last couple of years for left-handed hitters. And think of the guys who have all of a sudden had the surge in power. Travis Shaw was a 30-homer guy. Um, Eric Thames came in and was a 30-homer guy. Christian Yelich came in and was a 30-homer guy. So I'm not saying Corey Spangenberg is going to hit 30 home runs, get the playing time necessary to even threaten that. But I think that there's a track record at this point of bringing in left-handed hitters to Miller Park. And a guy that you think has some pop in there, some, some pop in his bat, and seeing it manifest. So I think that's something to keep an eye on for Spangenberg next year, whether he can provide the Brewers a little bit of power off the bench as well. Anyway, this is a long-winded answer of saying, I'm guessing he's more of a bench guy. Craig Council hates those terms. They're all a position player group. So caveat, you know, I know I'm breaking the rules there. But I think he's going to be more of a bounce-around guy, and they, they still acquire a more regular second baseman. That's the official term, by the way, bounce around guy. If you look it up in the MLB glossary, yeah. bounce around guy. But bounce around guys are, I think, some of the most coveted guys in the game, and that's becoming yeah. the story more and more because that's that's just how the game is being played today, and and it doesn't necessarily benefit guys to stick to one position and not know how to do anything else because. Really, you never know when you're going to need a right fielder or a first baseman and a guy who can raise his hand and say, hey, I've done this, I did it in the minor leagues, or I did it in high school, even if so, you know, proves to be pretty valuable, I think, um, even more so today, 2018, 2019. I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of that, too. Yeah, you know, Danny, I'm reading a book right now, Nine Innings. It okay. was. It is about one game in June of 1982 between the Brewers and Orioles. And it is a deep dive into that game. And then sort of the, the background, the, the, how all the players and managers and coaches and front office people associated with that game got to the position they were in that year. Um, And it's really interesting because the Brewer, this is, probably way more information than we need to get into in 2018. But the the Brewers um, in 82, Buck Rogers was their manager at the start of the year, and, and they got off to a really disappointing start, and he was fired. And then they brought in Harvey Keene, who, of course, led the Brewers all the way to the World Series and the greatest, most beloved team in the history of this franchise. Yeah. And the styles were so different. And 
one of the things that's detailed in this book is how much the players disliked Buck Rogers because he moved pieces around a lot. Um, he would play matchups a lot. Uh, he would make pitching changes more frequently than was um, the, the, the players were used to. And in reading this book, it's like really you you feel like you're kind of like Buck Rogers maybe was a little bit ahead of his time um, in terms of the way he managed games. It sounded a lot more the way that teams manage in 2018 than it did in 1982. And then Harvey Keene came in, and um, the players loved him because I, he just said, go play. I mean, yeah. he had a, they, they had a team meeting when they made the move, and he's like, "I'm not gonna mess. With, I'm not gonna mess with much. You guys just go play." Um, and they had this great power hitting team, and they basically bashed their way to the to the pennant. <laughs> uh, so it was like it's interesting reading back. You know, this is what now, 37 years ago, um, and you know, it, it, it that struggle between moving players around and the kind of the idea of a utility man, and then versus having eight position players that go out there every day and get right. four or five at bat, that, that struggle was already beginning. And it, it seems to me maybe uh, Buck Rogers is a, a, a little underappreciated, but ahead of his time. Yeah, way ahead of his time. And, and that idea kind of applies to the, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is, is the starting five, the idea that you have, you have uh, your starters and then you have your middle relievers, and then you have your closer. And that whole concept, that whole uh, triangle is kind of starting to uh, change a lot. And you wrote about this in your reporter's inbox, and I thought it was interesting. It doesn't really – it's not really a- applicable to 2019, but I thought it would be kind of fun to think about it because you, you talked about retooling the starting five. And if the Brewers went forward with this idea, I kind of wanted to know in your head – what it would look like if the traditional starter was not the traditional starter anymore and, and guys had to kind of just adapt to this new way of throwing the game. Yeah, well, the short answer is I think, yes, players are having to adapt to a new mindset about what it means to be a starting pitcher, what it means to be a, a pitcher, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the question kind of specifically asks whether the Brewers might use some tandems in the major leagues. Tandems are used in the often the lower levels of the minor leagues when you have prospects who are young in their pro careers, perhaps on innings limits. You pair two of them together, and every five days they each pitch, and they kind of take turns of who's the starting pitcher and who comes out of the pen, and they kind of build up innings, and they get their experience that way. And it's an interesting thought for the major leagues uh, in a team like the Brewers that we've talked about, there's no Madison Bumgarner on this team. Um, their top starting pitcher is Jolie Chassin, who had a great year last year, but he's not your traditional, you know, horse, mm-hmm. you know, the, the ace that goes out there and pitches seven, eight innings every day. Not necessarily, even though he was so good, he's not necessarily the guy that as he's obviously tiring and everyone can see he's tiring, the manager will stick with his gut like they've done all, you know, Nolan Ryan and all the great pitchers over the years, and and let him, this is his game, let him get through the game. Well, Craig Council doesn't manage that way. So a team like the Brewers that has um, a collection of good arms, many of them young arms, probably more starting pitchers, you know, quote-unquote, than they have spots, the idea of tandems is kind of an interesting idea. 
But it mm-hmm. was, what I said is, I, uh, first of all, I don't see it in 2019. And I also think just generally in the major leagues, it's really difficult to do because of just the volume of games, the frequency of the games you have, and the roster restrictions that you're under. To right. pull that off, you would have to have a really large pool of, you know, multi-inning guys, kind of young starters. They would ha- You would have to have many of them with options because you'd have to send guys back and forth probably to make sure you had – so just the right fresh arms to cover all these games. Um, and it just, I think it would be really hard under the restrictions of, of the rules. Now, they're talking about, you hear chatter over the years about changing some of these roster rules, um, maybe expanding roster, maybe you add a roster spot because these bullpens have gotten, the bullpen has become such a big part of the game. Everyone wants to carry extra arms. There's a health argument to be made you know, in expanding rosters, or if you're not going to mess with that during the, the bulk of the regular season, perhaps changing the September rules where, you know, you have some kind of taxi squad. Instead of expanding all the way to 40, you have a few extra spots and you have to designate a certain number of players for each game. So there's some there's just some debate ongoing right now about whether it's time to think about changing some of the, the restrictions on 25-man rosters and if something changes there, I think it becomes more feasible. But I just have a hard time seeing a team able to do that in the big leagues today. You can do it in the minors because it's a lot easier to, you know, sort of sure. finesse rosters and injuries and all the, you know, it's easier to do in the minor leagues. It's more challenging to do in the major leagues. But I think the questioner was on to something, and I do believe that as, that starts are going to get shorter before they get longer. So – it might not be a formal tandem, but I think, you know, the the idea of a starting pitcher going seven, eight, nine innings, it's just it's it's a it's going away. It's not the way teams manage anymore. It's not the, the mindset that players take in the games. So you 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 know, I think there's gonna be a day where you know, four good innings yeah. is gonna be like you did your job. Four good innings <laughs> and now you turn it over to a couple multi inning relievers and cover the rest of the game. Uh, it sounds weird, and it probably yeah. makes the old-school crowd cringe, cringe, but it's kind of the reality of the game. Yeah, it's for me, it's double-sided. I think about, okay, well, could you save someone's arm? Could a guy pitch until his 40s and be just as good as he was in his 20s? If he, if he pitched less, does that matter? But also the idea, thinking about – Thinking about Max Scherzer giving up the ball in the fourth inning oh, is yeah. preposterous to me. Yeah. The guy the guy would lose both his eyeballs, and then, then he wouldn't <laughs> have the coolest eyes in the game. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine that happening with some guys. But as as you look at the youth the youth movement and, and pitch counts and all of those things, you, you kind of think, well, could, could this be uh, maybe something that would help them and help their arms and their health? But – yeah, I, I see it both ways. I love the thrill of watching a guy go nine innings, um, yep. but we we don't see it that often anymore. We see guys yep. barely getting to that that fifth inning mark, um, and so the game has to adapt, right? It's not it's not that the the guys are adapting to the game; it's that the game is adapting to the guys. Well, and I I, I actually think it's kind of both ways, uh, you know. And and yeah. the players, yeah. you you when you have you know again the Brewers. Not to beat this to death, the Brewers got within really eight innings of the World Series last year. So, and they did it with the doing it this way, where uh, you know it was magnified at the end of the year, where Craig Council was doing some really creative things. 
But really all season long, and really for the past couple of seasons under Craig Council, they've been aggressive in going to their bullpen, um, and they've had success doing so. And I think that these young players who come up and they've seen it, you know, some of these guys now have seen it only this way in the major leagues, I think you buy into it because your team's winning games. And if it yeah. means winning games for a guy to get really upset about it, um, you know, it's not a very good look and, and probably not smart for his career. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's on, on one hand, it's disappointing. I, I'm like you. I, I, you know, the idea of a guy completing a game is a, it's a great thrill when you're sitting there in the stands watching a game. Yeah. Um, but it's just not the way it's done. It, you know, I'm, I'm racking my brain right now trying to figure out who has the Brewers' last complete game? I don't even really remember the last complete game that I covered, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I, they they had zero this year, zero complete games. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and then, I mean, you think about the guys who, you know, they, their idea of, of what a starter is, you have to, you know, you've got to mentally change, change that and, and adjust, and that's not always easy, but if you want to stay relevant and – you know, be a team player, you've got to adjust. But we've gone off on a, a very long Yeah. Well, hey, uh, Danny, I looked it up, by the way. I looked it up oh, just yes. to avoid people tweeting at me. The Brewers' last complete game was Jimmy Nelson on June 18, ah. 2017. Okay. Against the Padres. Okay. And um, – So a year and a half. It's been a year – season and a half. And that is the only complete game for the Brewers since July 2015. Jimmy Nelson, ladies and gentlemen. Feel good about that one. Feel good about that guy coming back. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just, that proves it right there. Maybe we'll look up the numbers for the league um, next the next time we get to chat. Uh, Adam, anything else we need to know about the Brewers right now? I know you and I won't get to chat next week. You're going to take a little more break before you, you put your nose to the ground for this season. Anything <laughs> else? Anything else we need to know? About this well, yeah, game. what you need to know is that next week is going to be bananas for Brewers transactions because every time I strap on the keys <laughs> out west, uh, they make all kinds of news and roster moves. So that's my prediction is that next week is the money week, that's uh, the week. for the Brewers. One one thing we should mention is we're coming up on their fan fest at the end of the Oh, season. yes, yes. Uh, details. What are those details? Well, it's, the, it's always the Sunday between the uh, – Conference championship games in the NFL and the Super Bowl. So okay. it's January 27th this year. And the Bruce actually just sent out a notice this week that they expect the thing to sell out, which it's never done. It's at the convention center downtown, and there is there is a capacity. They've just mm-hmm. never reached it. I so wonder why. So they're telling why. people to, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, pro- because I'm going to – Is parking? Well, I, I'm going to be there doing – I. I take part in the media roundtable. So I'm sure that's why there's great interest in this event this year. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I did this for Jordan Bastion, actually, so I'll do it for you as well. If uh, fans want to come up to you and ask you a question, <laughs> you suggest a question. <laughs> Should they ask uh, you about <laughs> I don't know. What did he say? Um, he said, don't come up to me and ask me questions. You should be asking other people questions. <laughs> what? Well, well he, said, I mean, he said, you know, he's not the he doesn't work play for the team, so. Well, he's he still he accessible to the fans. Well, he'll be and... accessible. He's new though. He's got he's got a lot of names and people to learn. He's kind what? of you know he's in the fan boat where he doesn't. He's like you know I may not recognize someone at first, so. Yeah, that's true. 
Well, I what what I would say is don't. I mean, come up to me and say hello and everything. That's great. But save your question for the media roundtable, which is <laughs> <laughs> they always schedule kind of at the end of the day, and I'm always like terrified no one's going to show up because everybody's you know been walking around the convention floor all day. So save it for the media. I haven't even asked to do this thing yet, so I shouldn't put the <laughs> cart before the horse. But I assume we're doing it again. So if you've stayed with us now for the last thirty minutes, and <laughs> you you make it the fan fest. Stay, hang around for this incredible media roundup, roundtable yeah, round uh, with the Brewers' loyal and uh, very trustworthy media that work very hard tirelessly to cover. Well, and I'll, you know, I'll say one of my number one fans, Laura Hemming, a great, a great Brewers fan. I always see her, and I know she listens to the podcast. So hi, Laura. But Shout she out, always Laura. comes and says hello at the media roundtable. So it's okay. always, you know, good to see. See some familiar faces and yeah. um, and then look from there it's like less than two weeks. So We're there. here we go. Spring training right around the corner. It's awesome. Okay, my friend, I hope you have a fabulous last uh, last vacation. Um, Thank don't you. don't bother us. You better be skiing and and doing all the cool things. We will <laughs> we will cover your team somehow somehow without you for one week, but then you'll be back and spring training's right here. So uh, please go to MLB.com and go to Brewers.com. Check out all of Adam's work. We are in full swing, my friend. So, Adam, thank you for um, taking so much time to chat with me today. Yep. Well, I had to make up for missing next week. I'll miss <laughs> you, and I'll, I'll see you in two weeks. With Adam McCalvey, I'm Danny Wexelman. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. <laughs>